Um, one other thing I want to do before we get started, are there any seniors in the room? Any high school seniors that just graduated? <laughs> high school, high school seniors that just graduated. I'm going to be honest, I really hope there's not because I know I wouldn't be here at the nine o'clock service after graduation. But even if there aren't any in the room, would you just close your eyes, think about one senior or one kid that you know, and let's just pray together. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for these young men and women and what you're gonna do in their lives. We thank you for the next steps and the next part of their journey. Lord, would they seek you? Would they seek your peace? Would they seek your understanding in every situation, whether it be at college, whether it be in the workforce, whether it be at a trade school, wherever they go from here. Lord, would you be ever present throughout their lives? Lord, we love you, we lift them up to you. This morning, as we read your word, Lord, would what you want to say come out? Would everything that you want us to hear be said this morning through your scripture? And it's in your holy and precious name that we pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you would, please grab your Bible and turn with me to John 6. And as you're doing that, even though I was already introduced, I do want to quickly introduce myself. Uh, for those of you that don't know me or only know me as the big guy that sings sometimes, um, my name is Andrew and I'm the youth director here at Living Word. And I was going to make a joke about, you know, hey, I'm the youth director, so I understand how that is. If you're ready to leave, I'll give you three seconds and I'll close my eyes and you can go. But I'm not going to make that joke. Um, because I felt like the Lord gave me something this morning uh, that I just needed to share. This has been a four-year refining journey, and I've been trying to figure out where my heart is with this message for a long time, knowing that it's coming up and it continuing to creep up. Um, but this morning, the Lord just said, this is what I prepared you for. This is what I've been refining you for for four years because four years ago, I was nowhere near Christ. And now to be sitting here in your presence after this long journey is just a blessing. So I wanna thank you for taking your time out and I wanna thank the Lord for what he's doing in all of us this morning. Now, over the last few weeks, yeah, clap it up. Clap for the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Now, over the last few weeks, we've talked about all of these truly, truly, or very truly statements that have been found in John. We've seen Jesus say that we are to be born again. We've seen Jesus say that we are to be born of water and the Spirit, and that we have everlasting life through Him. But today, we're going to look at a few more truly, truly statements, actually four more, that are found in John 6. But before we read together, and buckle up, it's going to be a long reading, but we're going to be okay. Okay, I wanna tell you, uh, we're gonna be reading out of the New King James Version. Now, I know for some of you, this is like, ah, oh, not again, this is really hard to read, or if you have a past like mine, you're like, oh, we're getting really Southern Baptist in here this morning, and I'm not prepared for that. But I want you to know, the reason that I picked this is because the statements in New King James Version start with most assuredly instead of truly, truly, and to me and my brain, that just clicked. And so as I was reading, I felt like we were supposed to read these most assuredly statements as well. Now, again, I know it can be difficult, but as we read, I just want you to remember that this is just a different reflection of scripture that we all together are getting to read and understand, okay? So let's get, 
started. Now, at the beginning of chapter six, we see two important miracles happen. Jesus blesses the five loaves and the two fish and feeds the 5,000. Then the people turn and want to force him to be king immediately, and he flees off into the mountains. After this, we see, um, we see the people turn away and walk away, and the disciples sit at the shore, and they wait. They wait and wait for the Lord to come back, and he doesn't come back. So at nightfall, they decide to get in boats, and they go across the sea to Capernaum. And this is where we see the second miracle happen. Halfway through this journey, about three or four miles from shore, a huge storm erupts, and they're in the midst of this storm when all of a sudden, here comes Jesus walking on water, which we see is the second miracle. Now, the thing that I didn't realize, and maybe I should have, is this all happened in one day. Like, this is one day of two powerful miracles that we have told over and over within the church. But then on the next day, the people saw that Jesus was nowhere to be found, and they remembered that the disciples left on boats to Capernaum the night before. So they also got on boats and left for Capernaum the next day, and that's where we'll pick up in John 6, 25. Before we read this, there are three different sections. It really turns out to be four, but there's three different sections to this. There is Jesus talking to the multitude of people around him, there's Jesus in the synagogue talking to the Jewish people and the Jewish leaders. And then there's Jesus talking to the multitude of disciples and then to his 12 that he had picked. Okay, so let's read together starting in verse 25. This is again talking to the multitude of people. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this and believe you, what work will you do? Our fathers ate of the manna in the desert, and as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, this is the second most assuredly statement, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and to the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me that of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. And then it changes to him talking to the Jewish people in the synagogue, and we pick up in verse 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is it not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in... It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. 
Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. The third most assuredly statement, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And again, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Then he switches over to the multitude of disciples. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself, notice that, he didn't hear them. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then we see him switch just to the 12. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also wanna go away? And catch this, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, Jesus in these verses is taking a different tone than we have really seen throughout John so far. One commentary states it this way, Jesus's approach was to jar them loose from their laxity. Now, we saw a little bit of this when he was speaking to Nicodemus back in John 3, but this is the first time that we see people really get uncomfortable publicly by Jesus's statements. But let's look at those statements together, starting with the first most assuredly statement, which is found John 6, 26. Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Jesus is calling them out here. It's a calling toward correction and understanding. He's trying to awaken their mindset to receive the true daily bread, which we all know at this point is Jesus. Now, Let's be real for a second. Anytime any of us are called out or any of us are called to correction, it's not fun, right? So from this point, we think, yeah, it's gotta get a little bit better with Jesus, right? He's gonna kind of back off of it. But no, we get to verse 32, where Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. The Jewish people have been told of Moses bringing manna from heaven for hundreds of years at this point. 
So they're asking Jesus for an equal sign to understand and believe in him. But Jesus doesn't give them a new sign. Jesus tells them that Moses had nothing to do with manna falling in the desert. Now, I don't know about you, but if my beliefs were questioned in that way, it'd feel like a big slap in the face, right? Like that's, <laughs> I don't think any of us would like that. But we know this isn't Jesus's intention at all. His tone has changed, but it is, his intention has not. He said this again, trying to awaken their mind to seeing that he is the son of God, to correcting their beliefs. He is the savior promised by the prophets that they've waited for hundreds of years to see. And he wants them to believe and have faith instead of being persuaded by just the signs and wonders. Again, now they're being called out. It's pretty uncomfortable. Not fun to be there. Then it gets a little bit better with this third most assuredly statement in John 6, 47, which states, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And going on to verse 48, because I am the bread of life. Again, Jesus is claiming to be the only thing we need in this life. Yes, maybe not as much today, maybe for some of us it is, but it's pretty easy to get food at this point, somewhat. We're talking about a Jewish people where it was hard for them to be able to find and get food and even pay for food. So food was necessary to their daily life, but he's trying to explain to them that food is necessary, sure, but it is temporary because the bread of life sustains for all generations. And then we get to the fourth and last most assuredly statement of John 6 in verse 53 that says, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Again, Jesus chooses to take their literal statements and almost use them as a parable like he has so many times throughout the New Testament. One commentary states it this way, if they were unready to hear, he, speaking of Jesus, was not eager to press upon them truth which they would only reject or pervert. And after that, we see disciples begin to leave. We see because of not being able to understand, not being able to comprehend, they leave. But I want us to look at that interaction between Jesus and the 12 one more time. This is John 6, 67 through 69. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also wanna go away? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Hold on to that statement. Lord, to whom shall we go? While others are uncomfortable, and even some of the 12 are probably uncomfortable by these statements that Jesus is making, we see Peter's desperation for Jesus. As Jesus addressed the Jews at the synagogue, the other disciples, and the multitude of those around him, the people were approaching with desperation, but their hearts were not ready to accept that the Savior is here in a different way. They weren't ready to accept that they might be wrong. 
just like some of us sometimes are not ready to accept that we might be wrong. But the desperation that Peter expresses came from a place ready to change. Peter wanted to eat from the bread of life. The other day, while we were after conference, we stayed in California, me and my wife, for a couple days. And we just went on a walk with a couple of our friends and we're walking around this neighborhood in Rancho Cucamonga. And something occurred to me where I just felt like, okay, I need to like take a step back from this and just start praying. And so I stepped back, I let them walk in front of me for a little bit. And I just felt the Lord, I just didn't have words, really. And I felt the Lord say, you know how I've taught you to pray. And immediately I was like, yes, the Lord's Prayer. We've all been taught how to pray. So I want us to read it and recite it together. This is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's look back at that statement though. Give us this day our daily bread. The Lord stopped me right in my tracks in the midst of that. How many times have I sat there and said, oh, yeah, let's pray this prayer. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And if you could, make it a pizza. That'd be great. <laughs> like, I'm sure we've all been there. And I know some of you are sitting there going, Andrew, come on, you should have known that. Like, you should have known this was daily bread. But truly, I just had not thought about this. And I felt the Lord calling and revealing to me that, of course, he's calling us to himself in this prayer. This isn't just about food. He is our daily bread. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I still settle for the crumbs. Maybe you can relate to this. I get up on a Sunday morning, I go, I sing the songs, I listen to the preacher, I say amen, and then the only time I really think about God after that is if I need something, I'm praying over someone or maybe even about someone. Living word, maybe we've settled for the crumbs for way too long. I'm gonna be honest, a Sunday morning faith just isn't gonna cut it anymore. We have to make room for him in our everyday life. Jesus again says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I wanna invite the band back up to play us one more song to worship together. As they're making their way up here, let's close our eyes for a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you some things in this moment, and I want you to dig deep. Be with the Lord in this moment and ask him what he's wanting from you. Are you desperate enough to change your life? Are you hungry enough to eat from the bread of life? When we are truly hungry, we become desperate for something to fully sustain us. But there's something in your life that you are using as your temporary sustenance.
What do you rely on to fill you for the now instead of for the always? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it your children? Is it food? Is it your need for worship to be a certain way? Is it your need for a pastor to sound a certain way? Is it this church? Is it anything in this world? Because I'm telling you now, it's never gonna be enough. The people around you that you trust the most are not gonna be enough. The church is not gonna be enough. Wendy Nolasco said at our conference this past week, is Jesus enough for you? Not Jesus and. Can you sit there and say that, that Jesus is enough for you? Not Jesus and my wife, not Jesus and my husband, not Jesus and my family, not Jesus and my best friend, not Jesus and my dog. Is Jesus enough? He is the only thing that will ever fill you up for eternity. So church, I ask you to take this with you. Pray about it in your seat if you need to. If you need to, be willing to go find a pastor or a friend that you trust in this moment and ask them to pray with you. If you need to come down front, come down front. The altar's open, come pray. But please, take this statement with you and start asking yourself this. Are you desperate enough for Jesus? Because it is time to get desperate for Jesus. We need to be able to hear the Lord say, are you gonna lead me too? And for us to actually look at him just like Peter did and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Friends, the Sunday crackers, the juice, it's not enough anymore. It's time for us to be everyday believers, either again or for the first time. Here's how I'm gonna pray that you act on your desperation for him. Number one, make room for the Lord through prayer, fasting, and silence with him. I know sometimes those feel like dirty words in the church, fasting, silence. But that's what we're called to do. That's connecting, just as our vision statement says. That's connecting to the Lord. That's taking time to be with him. Number two, dive into the word with others or by yourself. Again, that's how we grow. We have to be willing to open up and read the word which we state that we believe. But that word, just as our name on our church is, is a living word. It still speaks today. We have to begin to trust that and start opening that book back up and reading and praying and relying on the Holy Spirit to give us the meaning of these scriptures every day. 
Because that's not only how we connect to the Lord, but that's how we grow together as a family. And the third, we need to start diving into community. Get close to the people you trust the most. Find community here at our church. Find community elsewhere if you have to. But I'm begging you, it's time to find community. And truthfully, I'm talking to myself here too. It's time to dive into community and trust people to do what the Lord's called them to do. Yeah, they're gonna let you down. That's just the truth. People are gonna screw up because we're broken people. But please, start trusting that the Lord is gonna work in them for his glory, not yours, so that you can share with them in community and hold each other up as Moses had his arms held up for a whole battle during a day in the Old Testament. We have to come along beside each other and start holding each other up. That's diving into community. When we dive into community, service just happens. We start to serve each other so that we can then serve our church, that we can then serve our community in Oak Harbor, that we can then serve the world. Because the way that we serve people is how they're gonna see us. They will see your faith and love by the way that you love, care, and serve them. It's a living word. Out of these places, his words ring true. And a need to serve Oak Harbor and the world arises in our hearts where we can be forever changed. Mm -hmm. Let's sing together.